All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And teenagers, you guys can be dismissed to go back into your class. Uh, they're having class back there. And kids, you guys can be dismissed as well. Thank you for being a part of things up to this point. And um, we're going to be sharing today uh, one of our final messages in the sermon series, the teaching series, Prince of Egypt, talking about Moses, the man and the myth. How many of you guys have ever been through Oklahoma City. Have y'all ever driven on I-35 right through the middle of Oklahoma City? Any of y'all? All right, Teresa Guest, I know, you know, me and you, the Okies down here, that's right. And so, uh, yeah, we, we definitely used to live there, but uh, you, you can definitely see some of my old stomping grounds right from I-35. Have any of you guys driven right up there where Moore, the, the little town of Moore, and the town of Oklahoma City kind of meet, and you maybe even saw a football field over on the right. I don't know if you did or didn't, but if you did, that's where I played ninth grade football. What are y'all laughing about? Yeah, I was, I, I was awesome. I was, I was, no, I was not. <laughs> that's why ninth grade was not the last year, but I could see it from there, right? Um, Yes, ninth grade football. So you may be wondering, Randy, what does this have to do with this teaching series that you're sharing with me? Have any of you guys ever had something that you look back on later and go, what? Did that really happen? My ninth grade football coach, who was the defensive coordinator, defensive line, and linebackers coach in the middle of our of our get-together and our season and all those things just didn't show up one day. We're like, and I'm not going to call his name, um, but we're like, where's coach? And so as things do, you start hearing little rumblings, right? And you wonder if they're true or if they're not. You think, surely not. True story, my coach from ninth grade football killed his wife in the middle of our football season when I was in ninth grade. Isn't that bizarre? Like, that's one of those things that you're just like, what? That, that, that really happened? And it did. And I think I remember back when I was in ninth grade, just like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But now I look back on it now, and I'm like, that's like stuff that you see out of a TV show, Right? Now, the reason that I share this with you today is we've all dealt with proximity to stuff that we look back later and go, that person was out of control and we didn't realize it until it became impossible to ignore, right? We've all been there, right? And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes that person has been me. Where I'm like, I can't believe I said that. Or I can't believe I did that. And it's like a check that I'm like, hold on. What's happening in here that I can't deny because it just came out here? 
Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Please tell me it ain't just me. I mean, y'all do drive on Houston roads, right? You know what I'm talking about. And I mean, it's easy to get your buttons pushed. It's easy for things to be crazy. And it's easy to get caught up in the midst of things and get caught up in the moment and then turn around and go, I can't believe things went that far. And I'm supposed to be different and better than that. Like I said, I'm sure it's not just me. And I'm sure that you have found, all of us have had this experience where we look around and we're like, no, I mean, that's not who we are. And yet we did that thing. And so it worries us and it makes us take a moment and consider that we might be a little closer to an edge than we realized. If you guys all understand where I'm coming from, can y'all give me an amen? Amen. Today, we're talking about Moses. And if you look at the screen, ho, ho, ho. By the way, did y'all notice anything different up there? If I point to the blank wall, can y'all just pretend I know what I'm doing and I'm not insane? If y'all could do that, that'd be great. I think what we had was we had a, um, uh, a problem with our lamp that went out and we did not realize it until yesterday. Uh, supply chain, anybody uh, have any of those issues? So we're going to hopefully get that fixed. But if I do this, y'all don't laugh at me and point at me and talk bad about, well, y'all can do that. That's fine. I probably deserve it. So today, congratulations. This is where you want to be, right? Amen. This is the seats that you want to have because it's a little easier. Today, we are coming to the end and coming to the very kind of close of the story about Moses. But Moses, the man, the myth, the book of Hebrews talks about Moses, and it's almost like, hey, don't forget that, that Jesus is even greater than Moses. And so that if you say something like that, it reminds you of exactly how high the esteem was from God's people and where they held Moses. But let's be very clear, today, we're kind of talking a little bit about the man who has his man moments, and he's not exactly the myth in the midst of what we're talking about today. Today's lesson is called Moments of Rage and a Life of Anger. And I want to talk a little bit about Moses, and I want to just be blunt and honest and not judgmental in any way, because truth be told is that I I just admitted to you, and some of you guys were good enough to jump out on that limb with me, We've been there where moments of rage have led to us being something that we did not want to be or acting in a way that we did not feel was consistent with our character. Unfortunately, I've been warning you guys and mentioning it as we go so this wouldn't come as a shock, but today we're going to talk about Moses the man, and you can throw out the myth because today who Moses is and was is kind of going to be on full display. We'll talk a little bit about it. We'll go deep on it and kind of get the whole idea of what it's all about. And then we're going to wrap up our teaching series next week as we talk about exit Moses and enter who. And we'll talk a little bit about that next week. So be here. All right. Very quickly. I don't know if you guys uh, appreciate memes the way that I do, but check out this meme. I don't need anger management. I need people to stop making me angry. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not supposed to say amen to that. I'm just teasing. All right. Yes, I'm always here for amens, but not right now. Okay, but like we can identify, right? I'm going to talk a little bit more, go a little deeper on this, but I want to just share with you, for most of us, 
This is kind of how we feel and we tease and joke and laugh about it. And I am going to go deep on this particular subject, but I also want to be very clear. If you're not a person who is prone to being angry, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have all of your anger issues under control. How many of you guys, I'm pretty sure I'm talking about the right guy. Uh, I believe it's a comedian named Steven, right? Do you guys remember the guy who would talk like this and he would just never change his tone of voice and never change anything and he would make all these weird statements? You all remember him? Y'all, am I the only, y'all are, y'all are looking at me like, no, no. All right, well, all right, crashed and burned. Anyway, he's a comedian, but he had a very interesting thought that is really actually pretty deep. Here's what he said. Depression is merely anger without enthusiasm. Yeah, that's a comedian, not a philosopher, but he nailed the philosophy of it, you know, just nailed it dead to rights. Because the truth of the matter is, is that that is actually how it is. Whenever we're angry and it comes out, at least we're getting it out, but sometimes we don't let it out we internalize it and it causes us depression and it eats us away from the inside out. Now, I won't ask if you guys know or understand that, but I'm telling you, this is a lot more close to the truth than we would ever want to admit. So even if you're not a person who outwardly struggles with anger, you may struggle with worry, you may struggle with depression, you may struggle with some other things that really have their base and their root in anger that's unresolved and it's coming out in different things and maybe even more palatable things than somebody who's raging, but it's still doing damage. You guys understand? So let's keep moving here. And in the book that I've been talking about, Chuck Swindoll, he talks about how psychologists tell us there's roughly about five stages of anger. And I'm going to hit this real quickly and just kind of go through it. There's mild irritation, um, you know, where you're frustrated and aggravated and that kind of thing. And you might throw a beer bottle or something like that at a ball game. Um, There's indignation where you do something very similar. These are the two things that you deal with. But then you notice that it's getting a little bit more serious when you go to what they call wrath, where it never goes unexpressed somehow. That means somehow you say something, do something, take some sort of action in a way that you actually know what somebody's dealing with on the inside. And then a little further down, you go to fury, which introduces violence into the story of what's going on, and then rage. And this is kind of where the unthinkable can happen. And so I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it kind of delineated in this way, but I'm here to tell you, you don't, (laughs) what you need to start cluing into and grasping is, is that you don't wait until you're at wrath or fury to get concerned. You start dealing with the anger in the first couple before it ever gets its momentum. Because for most of us, the truth of the matter is, is that it's very easy for us to look back after the fact and go, I should have seen that coming. But wisdom grasps that it's coming and you do something about it before you even hit the guardrail as we've talked about many times in our teaching and preaching around here. You guys with me? Y'all understand? That's the time to act before things start coming out that cannot be taken back. 
Let's keep moving very quickly as we move on here. We know that this is what's happening. They've left Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're over here near Mount Sinai and then eventually heading up to Israel. And they're heading into the promised land. They're sending out the spies and various things like that. And they're in the process of all of what's happening as they move from one place to another with about 2 million people and their livestock, there is always a need. And if you're in a place that's called a desert, your first need is always, guess what? Water. And so there they are. They don't have water. They are frustrated, angry, hot, tired, looking for shade, and there's none to be found, I can imagine. And what do they do? They start grumbling and complaining against Moses. And Moses has had all the grumbling and complaining that he can deal with. And oh, by the way, at the very beginning of the passage of scripture that Eric read, I believe it's in chapter, uh, this chapter, verses one or two, it says that Miriam was there, but in this place that they're kind of waiting and stopping where there is no water, this is where Miriam, one of Moses' closest allies, friends, confidants, the woman, the young woman who pulled him out of the, bas- out of the Nile River in the basket that he was in and took him to Pharaoh's daughter, this is where she dies. So this is Moses' mindset. And so, I mean, things aren't great right now for Moses. He's having a difficult time And Moses loses control of his temper that he has struggled all of his life to get a hold of. Now, here's where I probably need to pause for just a moment and remind you that the truth of the matter is, is that I have often talked about it and I continue to talk about it because it is so true. Every single one of us has that thing that we just can't ever seem to get over. That one thing The Bible calls it a besetting sin, the sin that so easily besets us. That one thing that kind of nips at our heels for our entire life. God can take those things away immediately if he chooses, but most of the time we have at least one thing that we can't seem to just leave in our rearview mirror forever. For Moses, it is his anger. We're going to go back and look at some of the things and some of the direction that we have been and kind of remind ourselves what we have seen in Moses. But let's just kind of move on here and let's talk about this fateful action, a couple of passages of scripture uh, that we want to look at here. Let's turn to uh, this passage, this fateful action here in Numbers uh, chapter 20. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he, that's the capital H, just as God commanded him. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then Moses raises his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Let's keep moving. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I have given them. This I'm just going to be honest with you. This seems harsh. This seems harsh from God. And, you know, we look at God and we're like, God, why are you doing this? Why are you disallowing somebody who's been a servant of yours in this way? I want to go a little deeper, not just in this passage of scripture, but also in the early life of Moses and notice all the different times that Moses 
has done something that's just deeper than simply losing his temper. You guys with me? All right, so let's check this out. Let's go a little deeper. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. You guys remember that staff? That one that he waved over the Red Sea and everybody went across on dry land? That one that he threw down that turned into a serpent that had Pharaoh's attention? That staff was a sign and a symbol of God's power. He was showing them that God was doing something, but he did not follow God's direction. God said, Moses, go out there, get everybody's attention, speak to the rock, and the, wa- and the water will come gushing forth from the rock, and everybody's going to be fine. Moses goes out there, and he says, I've got the Lord's staff, so now I have your attention. I'm acting on God's behalf. And then he says, listen, you rebels. Is that what God told him to say? No. Okay, and then he says, must we bring you water out of this rock? Who's bringing water, according to Moses right here? Me and Aaron. Who's really bringing water out of that rock? Do you see what's going on here? Oh, hold on. I'm kidding. (laughs) Ooh, it's a long one. Okay, give me just one second. No, that's not me. I'm grabbing my iPad, but that's not me. Um, yes, here in the midst of this, must we bring you water out of this rock? What has God got to be thinking at this time? Moses, who's bringing water from what? Why are you calling them rebels? Why are you sitting there holding the staff like this is me doing it, and yet you're claiming credit, and in the midst of it all, it's getting real confused. And how many of you remember that God has already said, I will not share my glory with another? Moses is doing something that God doesn't approve of, and he's doing it and acting like it's done in God's name. You guys with me? You all hear what I'm saying? And then he says, he raises his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience. Have any of y'all ever had somebody who was old enough to know better, for all intents and purposes, throw a temper tantrum? Have y'all ever had that happen to you? And you're just looking at him going, are you seven or 37? I'm not sure, because right now it looks like you're seven years old. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so this is Moses throwing not his first temper tantrum, holding the staff of God, claiming the credit for what's about to happen in a miraculous way. And can I just stop for a second? God's still going to, he's going to answer. And these people who need water are going to get what they need. But he has tainted it all. He has tainted a miracle of God, acted like it was him that did what God alone can do. Now, I don't talk about this stuff a lot. I don't really talk about this stuff a lot because I don't want in any way to try to make this about, you know, things that it shouldn't be about. But it's serious business when you stand up here behind this pulpit or you stand on the stage and you do something in the name of the Lord. It's serious business and it should never be about anything other than God. There are times that I preach and teach, but I think I can honestly say I have never stood behind this pulpit or from this stage and said 
to all of you what I needed to say to only one of you. You know why? Because I would never do that. This is too important for me to make it about me venting instead of God's word going forth. Do you all understand what I'm saying? If you ever see that happening from me, you're welcome to speak to me. If you ever see that happening from somebody else and they're making it about some thing that they're wanting to complain about and trying to put a spiritual thing on it, know that that isn't God. Just flat out know that that's not God. And sometimes spokespeople for God can elbow their way in and make it about something that dilutes what God is doing and God will not share his glory with another. He just will not. You guys understand what I'm saying? And so when Moses does this, he's on dangerous ground. He's been on holy ground before, but right now he's on dangerous ground. And here's why this is so very important. Let's go to our next slide. This is our big idea because everything that anger touches comes away tainted. Everything that anger touches comes away tainted. Would you guys say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Everything anger touches comes away tainted. All right. It's been pretty heavy. Y'all ready for some comic relief? Still going to teach a lesson? Any of y'all notice this right here? Anybody curious? None of y'all are like, I'm over it, man. I'm sorry. I don't even care about Christmas anymore. Look, all right. Don't steal my joy. I'm having a good time with this. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Is that what y'all were playing over here? No, I'm kidding. One, two, three. Okay, this is not, I mean, y'all know I'm an H-E-B guy, but no, this is not H-E-B. This is just a box to throw you off. Here's the truth. This is something that can almost ruin your marriage if you're not careful, if you really think about it. Let me tell you what happens in my house. What's wrong with you people? Y'all drank milk for like three years of your life before you drank anything else in the world. All right, so my wife will... Do that. And then y'all know what she says? The next line that she says? Come over here and smell this. Any of y'all had that experience before? You're like, no, I saw your face when you smelled it. Why do you want me to come over there and smell it unless you hate me? I don't understand. Am I right? Okay. All right. True confession. Good for the soul. Who in here has done that where you've smelled it? And you've gone, oh, and then you've called somebody's name, whether your kid or your husband or whatever, and go, come over here and smell this or taste it. I want you to be on, okay, like at least three of y'all are going, over there. How many of y'all have ever done that before? Any of y'all? Okay. All right. Why? Do you know what I always say? I'm not going to do that. And then guess what I do? I'm like, you're right. I'm going to try it anyway. (laughs) 
Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done that and somebody tastes it and they're like, it's fine? And you're like, okay, all right. And so you pour yourself a glass and then about two drinks in, you're like, I'm sorry, I just can't get over it. I can't. I can't drink it. It might not be wrong, but somehow in my mind, it's tainted and I just can't do it. Have y'all ever had that experience before? Has every single one of us had that experience before? Do you see where I'm going with this? Even when things get talked out, even when things get explained, even when things get apologized for, man, sometimes we have memories that have been tainted and there's just that thing that you just can't get rid of. Even though you know up here, it's just, it, it just can't work anymore. Right? So when Moses does what he does here, I'm sure people understood. We're going to talk about what he was dealing with. I'm sure they got it and they understood. But you can't unsee your leader like throwing a temper tantrum on the rock. And hearing him do that with God's staff, and especially when he's done some of the things that he's done before. It just, for lack of a better word, it's tainted. You guys understand what I'm saying? Okay, so here's where I challenge you. In your marriage, with your grandkids, with your kids, with your boss, with your siblings, with your parents? Like, why would you ever willfully, knowingly taint something that can't be undone? And if you knew that you could cease from that happening more frequently or more often, then you got to get serious about making sure that you don't go down that road because there are things that you just can't unsee and can't get out of your mind. Do you guys know what I'm saying? There are things that people are still dealing with. I have no doubt whatsoever. They're still dealing with that with family, friends, bosses. I'm sure people have lost jobs because of something that they did that their boss just couldn't quite get past. All right. So anger, everything that anger touches comes away tainted. And we've got to be very careful that we don't taint the things that are most important in our lives. All right, let's keep moving here. Here's the something to learn, and I want to make sure that you understand this. Super interesting. We all tend to think, well, the results are still there, so whatever I'm doing must still be all right. Did water come out of the rock, yes or no? It did. Was God pleased, yes or no? No. So the easy thing to do is to say, well, the, we got the results, didn't we? You guys understand? It's, it's easy for us to look at results and not realize that that's not all that matters. Whatever I'm doing must be right because God's still blessing. It's interesting that God still provided the water from the rock for his people, but he was at his ending point with Moses and his unaddressed anger. Let's go back and talk about Moses and his unaddressed anger. I don't know if you know this or not, but don't miss this. 
Here's what we want to say. Anger often gets the desired results in a given moment, but in the long term, you lose the respect of others, the help of others, and sometimes you even lose people in your life that you do not want to lose, but they walk away because of your and my unaddressed anger. Got to be very careful. Let's go to our next slide. The very first action that we ever see from Moses, be very clear, Moses was put into a basket and he was saved in the Nile and all of that stuff. But the first time that Moses does something, not has it done to him, he's about age 40. And this is what happens. You guys remember early on in this, I talked about how Moses committed a premeditated murder. And you might have not liked that. You might have been like, Randy, that's a little too much. No, no, read it. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people, that's the Jewish people, were, and they watched them at their hard labor, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and looking this way, and looking that way, and noticing there's nobody around, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. First degree murder and second degree murder are two different things. Second is in the heat of passion. You don't stop yourself and you do something. Premeditated is the first degree murder. And that's when you look around, make a plan, make sure you can get away with it, and then do it anyway. You can't tell me that the very first action that Moses takes in the scriptures was one that God was okay with. You just can't convince me of that. We, we, we talked about it, and we talked about it, and we called it God's will my way. That's the message that we preached about it. And so we know that clearly Moses was doing something that God wanted him to eventually do, but he's taking the wrong path and doing it the wrong way at the wrong time. That's the first thing that we see from Moses. Let's go back and kind of go a little forward. If you lo- look a little deeper in our next slide, this is Moses talking to the Pharaoh in chapter 11, verse 8, all of the plagues are happening. And Moses says to Pharaoh, just before the final plague hits, he says, all of these officials of yours will come to me and bow down before me and say, go, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will leave. And then Moses, what's the next two, three words there? Hot with anger, left Pharaoh. You see how he's kind of, again, elbowing in on God's glory? You see what I'm talking about there? He's talking about me, 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 not talking about God, God, God. Big difference. Let's keep moving here. And we're going to come back to this in just a moment. We're going to come back to this and look at it through a little bit different prism. Very interesting. Let's go to our next slide. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. And the the tablets were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Moses has something that has never been had before in man's possession. He has literal tablets of stone with God's own fingers writing on there. And guess what happens? He goes down, sees them partying and acting like crazy people in front of a golden calf that they were not supposed to be doing those things. No doubt about it. Moses had a right to be angry, but let's see what he actually does. Let's go to our next slide. So as we keep going, let's go to our next slide as well. Um, 
The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that you were, had on the first tablets, which you broke. You remember that? And I, I don't know if I've got it. Maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe mistaken. Is, can we go to this next slide? I don't know. All right, um, that's okay. If you don't remember, let me just share with you what happened. As Moses has these tablets, he throws them down in his anger, takes the tablets, grinds them down to powder, pours them on top of the water, and has everybody in the Israelite community drink the water that had the ground-up tablets from God's hand and makes them drink it. It's a little excessive to me. Seems a little like a temper tantrum to me. Does it to you? God didn't tell him to do any of those things. He just did it himself. By the way, if God later says those things that I gave you that had my own handwriting on them, you broke those. I don't get the sense that he's like, good job. I think he was upset. These are things that I want you to put into the Ark of the Covenant later, and now... You're going to have to make the tablets. I'm not making another one. Now, here's where it gets hard. I wish I could tell you that consequences do not matter in the law. Uh, may have mattered in the law, but do not matter in the age of grace. But I'm here to tell you that the truth is, is that you and I, the decisions that we make, we've got to be very careful because eventually... When God has been dealing with us and dealing with us and dealing with us and dealing with us for years and for some of us who are a little older, maybe even decades, and we still have not given to him that thing that nips at our heels constantly, we got to be very careful because we may be on the edge of making a mistake that the consequences are greater than we realize. Moses is about to be prevented from going into the promised land, not because of one act, but because of one lifetime that never came to the place where he said, God, I can't do your work and be this way. You know what I'm saying? So we've got to be very careful. And let's be very clear. When you are a mother or you are a father, you're doing God's work. When you're a teacher or a nurse, you're doing God's work. When you're a human being walking in this earth and coming into contact with non-Christians, you are doing God's work. And maybe today might be a good day to realize that you can't actually do God's work with a constant teetering on the edge of doing things that would disqualify you from doing it the right way. Just going to put it that way. Now, let's be clear. Moses did commit that murder, and God called him after that. So God can use broken vessels, or else he wouldn't use anybody. Can I get an amen? I mean, I promise you I know that. But I also know that eventually consequences come whenever we do go too far in one direction. And things that are getting tainted eventually it's too much. And that's what we get remembered for. All right, let's keep moving. Okay, very, very quickly. 
I want to talk about a deep breath and a deeper look, and I'm going to hit these quickly. Let's talk about these first two, and yes, I keep looking at this wall. Do you guys see this, uh, these things that I've shared with you? Okay, other factors at work. He's hot, he's tired, and he's thirsty, and also he's around a bunch of people who are constantly grumbling, and he's supposed to be the one who fixes it all for everybody. Now, how many of you know that that would be hard for you if you're Moses, right? That's difficult stuff. That is also unavoidable. Any of y'all get hangry in here? Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Hungry so much that you're angry? <laughs> or you're hot, you're tired, you're thirsty, you're frustrated, things aren't good at work, you're out on this traffic, all this stuff. All these things cannot be avoided. Bad news, you will always deal with these no matter who you are. But there's other factors at work. A deep breath is good enough here. I don't need that spot in traffic. I'm just going to let it go. It's just not worth it. A deep breath works. But some other factors at work here. Do y'all remember Miriam's death just happened? Deep breath doesn't fix that. A deep look is necessary. You guys understand? You got to look within. And some of you guys are carrying pain that you've carried for years. Some of you pain for decades. Another factor at work, let's not pretend that Moses didn't maybe have some pretty deep issues. Think about this for a second. Moses was the adopted son of the Pharaoh's daughter. That means he was always second place at best. And if you want to introduce any kind of dysfunction into a family, start playing favorites and it gets there real quick. Some of you know that by, by experience. And I'm here to tell you that doesn't get fixed with a deep breath. You've got to take a deep look inside and say, God, why is this still mattering to me? And if you do not, you will probably deal with that same issue and it will still rule you and run you. Things that are deep issues. Now, let's go back for just a second. Do y'all remember I said we'd go back and look at that, uh, that face-off between Pharaoh and Moses? I want you to hear the adopted son talking to the born son and listen to it through that lens and see if you hear kind of some of the stuff that I see. Let's go to our next slide. All of these officials of yours are going to come to me and they're going to bow down before me And they're going to say, go you and all of those people who are following you. And after that, I will leave. Y'all hear it different when you're dealing with the adopted son and and the firstborn son? It's different, isn't it? It's a little more powerful, isn't it? It's just the Bible. It's true. You just have to dig a little deeper to grasp what's really going on. I can't say I know exactly, but I'm telling you, when I put it in that lens, which we know to be true seems different, and it doesn't seem to be about God as much as it does about Moses there. All right, I know we're running short on time. I'm going to pick this up, and we're going to move and put them, put them up and pick them up and put them down. Let's go. Let's go to our next slide. So don't miss this. Some believe that their life is made of an action equals response kind of situation, that every action equals a certain response. If you slap me, then I'm coming back at you, and we're going to fight no matter what. If you call me that, then I'm coming at you, whatever. Like, if you say that to me, then I promise you what I'm going to do is 
Action equals response. You guys with me? Often characterized by regrets, but intelligent, mature people understand that action plus decision equals response. If you can't grasp that you are responsible for the decision between an action that hits you and the response that you take, you will never gain any kind of strength or victory over the anger that wants to control you. Let's keep moving. Nelson Mandela says, as I walked out of the door towards my freedom, I knew that if I did not leave all of the anger, hatred, and bitterness behind, that I would still be in prison. A man who lost 27 years of his life because he was an activist against the racism that was going on in South Africa. Nelson Mandela said, when I left the prison, I left the chains behind me. And it had to be a decision that I made in here and in here or else I would still be shackled in prison. You see it? Can you imagine Nelson Mandela saying what we said earlier? Nelson Mandela, instead of saying these things, says the next slide here. He says, I don't need anger management. I need people to stop making me angry. He'd be right in that situation. But guess what? He would still be in prison, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even though not physically. See, this is the difference between the maturity and those who have victory in life rather than those who blame everything on somebody else. Because this is the truth here. I can never win here because I can never seem to control other people. I can barely control myself. You see? See, if your happiness and your win over anger depends on what other people do and don't do to you and for you, then you will never get victory, period. All right. Very quickly, let's go to our next slide, if you don't mind. Back to these stages of anger. This is where you have to deal with it, up at the first top two, because once it gets to the third, you're already in trouble. And then let's go back to that deep breath and the deep look. If you don't begin to deal with these, then you will always be on the ragged edge of anger. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what people have done or not done for you in your life that you still carry like a backpack that you can't get off. But I'll tell you this, if you don't begin to look deeper in these things, there will be some things that never, ever leave you alone. I don't want that for you. I know that God does not want that for you either. Very quickly, I want to share with you, I can't really choose to go into each thing because we're in so many different directions. This is the thing that happened to me. This is what happened to you. This is what happened to you. This other thing happened to someone else. I cannot go deep on this, but I will tell you more than likely, if you don't go deep and do it very intentionally and probably with someone else, then these things will never get addressed. And I'm here to tell you that I'm happy to go through some of this with you and make some recommendations. If this is where you're at and you're dealing with some deep issues, whether that be grief or others, there's some things that have happened in your life. I encourage you. I could do that with you. If you text me, talk with me, visit with me. Ultimately, if you work on those things the anger that is always at a boiling point and all you need is just a tiny bit more gas, you can cease that, but it's got to be a conscious decision. 
All right, we're going to keep moving here very quickly. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, mini-movie. Let's check it out. I'm done. This is getting absurd. They're raising our property taxes again. Why? Why? One look at our neighbor's house, and they'll see the value around here is going down real fast. I mean, do, do John and, and what's-her-face even know how to take care of our home? Maybe paint the exterior every once in a while, you know? They have a brand new lawnmower just sitting in the garage. I would love a lawnmower like that. But no, I have to have the kind that you have to hope and pray that it starts every time that you pull the cord. Everything around here is, is just breaking. I've asked the kids a dozen times to pick stuff up, but there's crumbs everywhere, there's soda cans, there's laundry on the floor, and it's not just in their rooms, okay? I saw a sock in the hallway. There is a, there's a t-shirt on the dining room table. I mean, are they even listening to us? Oh, and by the way, the fees for the ballet lessons, they're due. Let's have fun with that conversation, shall we? Sorry, sweet girl, your ballet dreams can't come true because mom and dad can't pay. This house that you wanted, it is breaking down by the minute, and now it's too expensive for us to live in. Who hurt you? What? Who hurt you? A lot of people. And I guess it's messing with me. As our worship team comes back up, I am ending with two things. One is a big question, and one is how you apply. So let's talk about the big question. What edge of regret do you face today? And what deep breath and deep look do you need to take before you make choices that lead to a tainted life? I don't know what you're dealing with and I don't know what you face, but I will tell you that God's amazing grace can rinse you, wash you, turn the heat down on the anger that boils over way too quickly in your life. And in the midst of it all, you don't have to be a chained person to those things that seem to control you. And I would just say again, be very careful that you don't get to the place where you live a tainted life that can't be undone. Your relationships and some of the things that you are dealing with are so important. Don't ever forget how important they are and how quickly the things that we choose sometimes can take us down the wrong path. Very quickly, here's how you apply this message. With God's help and direction, make forgiveness and release of anger your consistent pattern of life. The apologies, prayer, letter that you might need to write, forgiveness that you might need to grant. It's an interesting conversation that I've had with my dad 
talked a little bit about those things that he faced when he was growing up. Not an easy life. My life, Warden June Cleaver. His life growing up, Maury Povich show. Like, it was crazy. He had to deal with anger because he was the oldest son who saw the things that couldn't be hidden and saw the way that his dad treated his mom and on and on and on. Felt like he should do something but didn't know what to do. What he did was he actually memorized a verse from James chapter 1. And every time that he could find himself dealing with the rage and the frustration and the anger and the hurt and it's about to come out in an unhealthy way, he would say to himself, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to become angry because the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And this may seem very simplistic to you, but I'm here to tell you that my dad is not a man who's been tainted by anger. I look back on his life, it easily could have been very bad. Not just for him, but also for me. But through the power of God and his word and his spirit, he allowed himself to be changed and the anger got turned down in his life. And he was an amazing man of faith all of the life. He's 82 years old. He's the best man I've ever met in my life. I don't know about you, but God may that be ever said once about me when I'm 82, if I ever make it that far. How did he face that down? It's God's amazing grace. Heavenly Father, I don't know what each person faces, but I do know that you are able to forgive, to change, to take us in a different direction, and to keep our lives from being lives that are tainted by anger or hurt or frustration that pours out in ways that are unhealthy, wrong, and hurtful to those that we love the most. In the midst of all of that we have said today, And all that we've learned about Moses, may we be drawn back to you who can forgive and who wants to forgive and who can change our destiny because of your power and your strength. So this has been pretty intense and it's been pretty personal. So I'm asking for every one of you to please like leave your heads bowed and your eyes closed so people can make them make a move without being embarrassed in any way but you know if this is you and you know that maybe the Lord is speaking to you and maybe you're on the verge of making a bad choice or maybe losing control over something that could end up harming those you love in situations that you want to remain maybe you know that's you and today you want to move towards the Lord and say Lord I need help this on my own. I've tried for years and I still can't gain that victory, but I need your help. And you want to just simply lift your hand and say, you know what? That's where I'm at. That's what I want to do. And I'm asking that the Lord would help me and change me and develop in me a desire to go in the right direction. I thank you so much for your hand. Thank you again. Thank you. May God bless you. May God bless you as well. Thank you so much. God bless you. Anyone else here today, you know that the Lord
is speaking to you and you want to move towards His power in your life. Anyone? Guys, thank you so much for your